Hi, I'm Darlena Liu, and this is Doctors Who Create. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Adam Stern. He is the Director of Psychiatry at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center's Berenson Allen Center for Non-Invasive Brain Stimulation, and he's an assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He's been published in journals. You can read more of his works in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, Stat News, New England Journal of Medicine, JAMA, and more. And he's the author of the book Committed, which documents his experiences in residency. Committed was People Magazine Book of the Week and Amazon Editor's Pick for Best Biographies and Memoirs. In this episode, he talks about the creative process in writing and publishing a novel, especially a novel that includes depictions of patient stories. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I had a chance to read your book, which was fantastic. I thought it was really interesting to read it while I was going through intern year because there were so many moments and parallels where I'd be like, wow, like I just did this. <laughs> so I'm really uh, glad you had a chance to read it. And I haven't talked with a lot of current residents, you know, who have read the book. So uh, I'm interested to get your take on things as well. The feelings that you describe, like the whole imposter syndrome, that was very real. Like the first time I wrote a prescription or wrote a doctor's note, it just felt very momentous. Yeah. And one thing I really liked about your book was how you talk about work life, but you also bring in so much of your personal life. And that's something I wasn't expecting going into it, but really appreciated. Well, thank you. Yeah, that was intentionally done to try to uh, have people hooked. You know, I could, I, I, I think I could have written a very boring book about psychiatry residency, but I wanted it to be engaging and entertaining. And, you know, um, so much of when I think about that period of my life was also thinking about the people in it that you get to know so well, your co-residents, and in my case, my future, um, you know, spouse. And so uh, that was an integral part of that four-year period for me. How did the book come to be? Was it something that you started working on when you were in residency or was it something when you were reflecting back on your experiences? Yeah, the, um, the book had a long road to coming into being. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to provide the very briefest version of it. But um, essentially, you know, I've enjoyed writing for as long as I can remember. Um, but it wasn't until a few years ago, I actually was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Uh, I started writing again I, uh, in a creative fashion. So uh, I started writing about my experience in a nonfiction way, being a patient and a physician and how that opened my eyes to various things. And so um, these essays that I was writing, they were the first things I'd ever written that really got a lot of attention. Um, some of them ended up in really um, fairly high profile places. And one of them got the attention of a literary agent who reached out to me and said, uh, have you ever um, considered writing a book about any of these topics? And I said, absolutely, let's do it. Uh, so I, it was like a very exciting time. But then came the hard work of actually figuring out what kind of book I wanted to write and could write. So um, what I don't think I necessarily understood at the outset of the experience was that to write a book for a big publisher, you need for it to be both interesting and novel and also commercial. 
it needs to have a certain degree of commercial appeal. Uh, and as my uh, agent, uh, initially we, we passed back and forth lots of ideas about turning my essays about living as a physician patient and a patient physician, um, turning those essays into a, a book of sorts, uh, an anthology of essays about how this has changed my perspective. Um, it wasn't really uh, catching. My agent essentially would come back to me and say, that sounds really interesting, but there's no way we can sell that to a publishing house. Uh, so we kept going and we kept thinking. And then one day, um, just first thing in the morning, just as it always happens, an idea just popped into my head, which was, you know, I actually have a story that I think I can tell in a way that uh, hasn't been told yet. And I think it'll be really interesting for people. And I can imagine it having mass appeal if I do it just the right way, including dramatic elements of interpersonal relationships, romance, uh, and of course, uh, what really the content of the book is, which is how do you go from being a, a medical student or a medical graduate to being a psychiatrist? And that was Love the book. It. That was the book that I pitched. And she said, uh, my agent at the time said that would that's a great book. That's you, you've taken what would have been a small uh, kind of book and and opened it up to potentially a big book. And um, we were able to uh, to get it published at what used to be known as HMH Books, which has become Mariner Books, an imprint of HarperCollins. And it seems like based on the response that you've gotten from the book, it definitely has that commercial appeal. It seems like people, whether or not they're in medicine, can find something to take from it. Is that Has that been your experience? Yeah, the experience of um, being an author, writing something for about two years of your life, and then putting it out to the world, has been overwhelming in the breadth of it. So what I mean is like, it is both there, the highs have been so high and so exciting, so wonderful. And then I, there haven't been very many lows, but the absence of highs has felt like um, a come down uh, in a way. So, you know, you work on something for two years and then it's out in the world and then there's a big push and, and then uh, it, it appeared in People Magazine as the book of the week. And it was like a really exciting time of my life. And uh, now we're a couple of months out from publication date and there's a steady decline in the amount that I'm thinking about it, that I'm hearing about it, that I'm even um, doing things like this, talking to great people like you about it. So um, from that standpoint, the, uh, the experience has been, has captured the entire sort of range of human emotions for me. Interesting. So does that leave you looking for that next eye, like the next book or project that you're working on? That's a great question. I get, I, I think about that sometimes in terms of, okay, what's the next thing that I want to do? Do I want to jump right back in and try to create the next version of this project that I just finished? You know, my life took a, a number of very strange turns after residency. Uh, uh, by strange, I mean, um, wonderful and tragic. And, you know, I, I've uh, had a couple of children. I've uh, had a, a number of wonderful things happen. And I also have, I'm living with this very serious disease and I continue to practice psychiatry. So there's a story there. I could write that story in a way that I think people would find connect with it just as they have uh, the, the initial book, hopefully. Um, but is that the, the next story I want to tell? Is that how I want to be spending the next let's say two years of my life and and i'm not sure yet mm -hmm. that makes sense kind of going back to creating 
committed. Um, what was that process like? Did you have to, how did you recall those experiences from intern year and go back in your memories? That's a great question. So the very first thing I had to do after my agent said, yeah, let's do that proposal. Let's see if we can, uh, you know, get this book published. Um, was I said, okay, I, actually, I need to um, get my wife's permission to tell our story, my version of our story. And so uh, she was on board with it, uh, with a couple of caveats, which was that like, I had to essentially disguise her identity. Um, and so, you know, in the book, she's named Rachel, but that's not her real name. And the reason was that, you know, she is a practicing psychiatrist and uh, didn't want patients coming into her office with a preconceived notion of who she was, you know, um, and ironically, she's a very private person. Uh, so I think it took a lot for her to uh, agree, happily agree to let me publish the book, write the book and get it published for the world to read. Um, so that was the first step. And then I did the same thing with my classmates. I essentially said, you know, um, everyone will be have the opportunity to be uh, sort of anonymized or made into composite characters so that they're not necessarily identifiable. But if you want your yourself to be entirely left out of this story, please let me know. And I think there was only one half-hearted sort of, yeah, I think I'm good to be left out kind of person. Uh, everyone else was very supportive and wanted to not only, you know, were sort of happy to be included, but uh, contributed a number of um, stories, memories, things I'd forgotten, <laughs> excuse me, elements of our residency that I... Uh, had didn't remember or didn't remember the same way that they did so that was really interesting and really good and then the last thing that i did to really recreate a lot of those uh experiences from what at this point is anywhere between 11 and and eight years ago uh, i guess seven years ago um was to um look back you know in uh, google in gmail in the gmail era we used to do a lot of g-chatting uh, these days, it's much more about texting, I understand, uh, as the kids <laughs> say, but and all kinds of other things. DMs, <laughs> there are all kinds of uh, communications that I am still unaware of in my mid 30s here, getting into my late 30s. But um, we used to G chat, we used to talk to each other through Gmail during this particular era of our lives. And one of the creepy but also useful things about Google is it saves everything forever. And so I read, I reread all of these conversations that I had with people throughout those years of my life, including my future wife and my friends and my brother and people that make appearances. And, and I was actually, with permission, I included these conversations pretty much verbatim as sort of um, interludes between chapters uh, to give, a, give readers a sense of what life was like, what was the tone of our conversations like, uh, you know, at that time. I didn't realize there were real transcripts. That makes it more, more intriguing to get that slice of real life. Right. Everything else about the book is my best recollection of how things got, you know, sort of went. Also knowing that I've taken liberties about changing identities and making things um, unidentifiable uh, when necessary. But the conversations, those those little uh, interludes between chapters are the most verbatim, you know, those are true to form. Uh, the only things that have been changed are the names in some cases. And that must be bringing, like going back and reading through all these messages might, must have brought back a lot of emotions for you, I'm sure, in rel reliving that part of your life. 
it was a window into a different era and a different, you know, um, state of mind. You know, I mean, one of the things that I was trying to get across, and this is something that you may comment on yourself and your, from your own perspective, was that when I was a resident, I went straight through everything. My brother was three years older, but he took a few years uh, to live life and to beef up his application before he went to medical school. I went straight through college, med school, residency. It was like my life was these four-year increments. My 20s were devoted to these four-year increments. You know, that's what it was. And um, when I think of one of the themes I think of the book is that you take someone in their 20s. When I think of uh, people in their 20s, I think of uh, a vibrant person who's out living in the world and, you know, engaged in social life and things like that. And what residency sometimes does is take that person and put them in the artificial lighting of the hospital for 24 straight hours and make them eat cafeteria food and make (laughs) them only, you know, socialize with the same 14 people kind of thing. And that's one of the themes of the book is it was a different era. I felt very differently at that point in my life than I do now. I think that's what was really relatable about the book for me as someone who also went straight through from college to med school to residency and having that be my 20s and defining moments. I look to classmates who've gone other routes and just how different we are and what point of life we are. And I think it's changed as more and more people have taken years off, as you've mentioned, but there's still a a core group of people who for most of their 20s have grown up in that environment that's very structured and very scheduled. I have this idea that people who do what we did go straight through without taking a job for a year or two and living out and renting an apartment, living out in the world, uh, in outside of medical school, for example, after college. Um, I feel like there's a certain, you, you gain a lot of academic uh, experience and, and knowledge and hopefully skills, but you lose something socially uh, and you lose a certain like um, worldliness or a certain ability to uh, relate to the people your age. What do you think? Do you identify with that at all? I identify. I feel like I've experienced a delayed adulthood where here in residency, I've gotten my first paycheck and I'm learning how to do taxes and you know, getting a lease on an apartment because I've been in student housing for most of my life. And it it does feel like I'm just four years late to the game in some way. Um, it's a strange time. But I think in your 20s, everyone is at such different points in life. I have some friends who are homeowners, some friends who are parents, and some friends who are starting school. So everyone is at such a different point in life that it is hard to compare across the board. You're you're absolutely right there. I remember a period of my life where I was now starting to feel more like an adult. And uh, that that moment is when a lot of my other friends from college went back to law school or business school or whatever it might be. So there's a different model for different sort of graduate schools. It's the medicine model, I think, is so paradoxical because at the same time as giving you this enormous amount of responsibility, it also infantilizes you a little bit uh, as part of the training process. Everything gets smaller, you know, your your social group gets smaller, your life sort of shrinks down to the, I'm not telling, I, I 
when I say this, I'm hearing myself say it, and I'm hoping that you're you've escaped this trap that I'm describing. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that it's not something that everyone experiences, but um, it's definitely a recipe for that. I think. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean, and I think that's why I search for creative outlets like podcasting, like the other things that make my life whole, because it's a way to have a refuge from from that structured, regimented life. If that makes sense. I don't know if writing does the similar thing for you. And Oh, gosh, I've been writing. I can think I can literally remember the plots from stories that I wrote when I was like six, seven years old. You know, they're they're like scroll. They're like four pages long and they're scrawled and, you know, terrible. My penmanship is the same as it was then. But, you know, <laughs> like they're just like incre- with drawings associated with them. And so I, I can I have this sense of myself as someone who needs to write in order to process my place in this world and my experience in it. Um, It's hard to, I don't know if everyone, if that's why everyone writes, but it's certainly one of the things I've noticed is when I have these like intense emotional experiences, or I just have an idea that I think is interesting, I need to get it down, uh, you know, so to speak on paper so that it is, concrete and out of my brain you know and that process of uh of transcribing it from this unformed thing in your mind onto the page is something that is painful and yet so satisfying at the same time i've written fiction as well in the past um you know i'll just i'll just uh, lay my cards on the table that this book is my first ever book with a major publisher. Uh, I previously self-published a couple of little books and I love them, you know, just as much as I love Committed. Um, And they were fiction. uh, And, but they were fiction about worlds that I knew, you know, they were fiction about college life and fiction about, you know, uh, med school uh, and that kind of thing. So um, I think that, my experience is universal no matter what kind of art I'm trying to do, whether it's writing nonfiction or fiction or doing one of my silly cartoons that I do about the field of psychiatry. No matter what, at the end, I'm always pretty sure that what I've done is terrible. Uh, And then (laughs) actually there's a life cycle. I'm doing it and I think this is the greatest thing that's ever been done. Then I finish it and I say, this was really bad, I think. Then over time, it sort of trends to more probably accurate of like, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. And it's not the greatest thing in the world. And so that's, that's (laughs) how it goes in my creative cycle. Yeah, I wanted to circle back to something you were saying about asking permission from, you know, your colleagues and your wife, Uh, in terms of including patient stories, I'm wondering how that process works. Yeah, that's a great question. uh, And one that comes up uh, a lot, as you can imagine, um, that was something that at the very beginning, when we came up with the book proposal, I said, this was back with the agent. I said, look, there's only one way that I can do this. There are certain patients that I, I'm still in contact with that I can get permission from, uh, written permission. If we take these liberties, these steps to anonymize the, you know, what, can we tell the story? And there are certain patients that I am not able to reach. I don't, uh, you know, it's just an impossibility. Uh, a lot of these were one-time encounters that happened 10 years ago, for example. So we need to be able to write up front at the very beginning of the story, we need to go in one of two directions. We need to either say, 
this is fiction and lean into this is a fictional story and give me liberty to change you know make it totally fiction like actually create a new story out of a core of truth uh, and the other path that we actually ended up taking was to say this is based on a true story uh these are real events that happened to me but uh, uh, uh people have been uh amalgamated into composite characters names have been changed dates and locations have been altered specific details have been intentionally deliberately changed for the purpose of protecting someone's privacy and my goal if i had to do that if there was a patient that was entirely unreachable um my goal is that that patient could read the story and really be not uh sure they might remember being my patient but they might say, well, these several things are very different than my experience with him. So this isn't really me. There needs to be that level of uncertainty for me to include it in this in the book. And that was my sort of uh, bar. Uh, and so hopefully, hopefully I achieved that adequately. And, and, uh, and I think that I have. That seems like a good self test. How has publishing this book then affected your identity as a psychiatrist, given that you are practicing and seeing patients still? Do you have patients that come to you being like, oh, I read your book, and how, how do you incorporate that? Yeah, so I've only had a couple of patients like call the office to try to become my patient because they read the book. Um, and thankfully, I, within it, with all honesty, I was able to say that, you know, I, I don't do that kind of work right now. I, I focus on this procedure, this transcranial magnetic stimulation practice that I do um, full time. Uh, and I say, thankfully, because uh, that's not an appropriate way to start a therapeutic relationship uh, from someone that's just coming in with preconceived ideas of what I would be or, or who I would be based on the book. But some of my current patients, you know, they're people who are allowed to read uh, the whatever they like to read. And so that was one of the my own risks of putting the book out is I knew my patients might learn things about me, my colleagues might learn things about me, and I needed to be okay with that. And I was. Uh, and so the feedback I've gotten has been largely positive that, that, that they're happy to know that their psychiatrist is a human being uh, with faults and flaws and emotions all to themselves. And um, so to that degree, I haven't, uh, I have not regretted uh, that experience at all. I'll tell you, if I may add one other um, way that this has impacted my identity. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had to do a weekend shift in the ER. Uh, and I, I'm out of practice with that because I don't do it regularly for my job. This was a part of the call schedule and I got called in to do it. And so I was rounding on new patients that I'd never seen before. And I had the book on my mind, the version of myself that I presented in the book on my mind. And then I was juxtaposing that right up against the experiences I was having with patients in the ER. And some of them were so strikingly similar to things that happened in the book and feelings, feelings really that I had of uncertainty, of um, guilt, you know, the, of, you know, in the ER, you're very often hospitalizing patients who don't want to be hospitalized in a psych ER. And so um, I just thought that was so fascinating that I could be 
so many years out of residency when I wrote the book and just go back to an environment that the book takes place in and feel almost just the same way. It was almost validating to me that that uh, the book was a, an accurate reflection of my experience in that environment. I think that there really is a theme that is true to life in medicine that I think might be captured in the book where you, as we go through our training, we learn more, you're exposed to how much you don't yet know or know what to do in certain situations. And the more you realize how much you don't know, the more respect you have for not knowing and the more you're open to learning and, uh, there's a humility that comes with that that's actually helpful in the learning process. And so it's a, an interesting thing where you might start out um, unsure of yourself uh, and learn that you, in fact, w shouldn't have been sure of yourself or learn that you knew something without ever realizing you knew it or learn that there's no right answer to something and you just have to do the best you can. So mm -hmm. all those are versions of like how imposter syndrome plays out, I think, in medicine. Thanks for sharing that story. And I think it just speaks to how universal a lot of these experiences are, going back to that. And I haven't done my Psyche R rotation yet, but it's coming up for me in November. And I'll, I'm going to think back to some of the stories from your book when I, when I get to it. It was nice to get that behind the scenes look into how you wrote this book. And I'm excited to see what comes next, whatever it may be, whatever shape or form. Thank you so much for having me on. Best of luck to you and all of your colleagues. That's all we've got for this episode of Doctors Who Create. You should definitely check out Dr. Stern's book, Committed. It's available in most bookstores. You can find more about his writing at adamsternmd.com. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at doctorswhocreate at gmail.com. Or tweet us at Doctors Create. Or check out our website, doctorswhocreate.com, to listen to our podcast episodes and also to check out other articles and profiles of physicians who are creative. Intro music brought to you by the band Night Float.